We've been, we've been burned by that before. Yeah. All right, welcome to episode 35 of BNBFC. Brian and Brad are back with you again. The club season is officially wrapped up. It's been a couple of weeks since we brought you a podcast that kind of had the current events. In that time, we've had the FA Cup final. We've had the Champions League final. City and, have won the treble. Hey, no, we, we've had the Europa League final too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just trying to forget that one. <laughs> Textbook example of why English refs are not going to get anywhere near a, a European final for another 10 plus years. I feel so bad if someone comes in that's actually good, but everyone thinks, oh, Michael Oliver and Anthony Taylor, dog shit referees. <laughs> Paints everyone, not to say I don't think there's anyone that's good, but there might be someday. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> oh, and then, the, you know, the biggest uh, competition of them all, Conference League. What? <laughs> the Conference League. What? <laughs> no, I don't. West Ham good, for, good, for, good for West Ham. <laughs> West Ham are European champions. What do you do? You know, Arsenal fans are like that, okay? Not the Conference League, but... Um, what did you think of the FA Cup? One of the most boring FA Cup finals yeah, I've wasn't, ever seen in my life. It wasn't a classic game by any means. City certainly deserved to win. I don't think City played the kind of football. I think in both of the games, the, the FA Cup final and the Champions League final, it's not the City that we had seen for the last two or three months of the season, but it was a City that got over the line. And that's sometimes, you know, been City's problem in big games or cup finals before they, when they're not playing well, they, they didn't find a way to win. Uh, but here, here in this, this, both of these games, I think they did well enough to win with the FA cup. I think it's that the United get back into it with a penalty. There's portions of the game where it looks like it's a fairly even contest, but then in those key moments, city does what city has done so well this year. And, and finds the way. Gundogan scores 15 seconds in. The second City goal, you have to look at De Gea a little bit. I know the shot a got deflected. A lot. A lot. I even look at him for the first goal. We talked about this because it was, I don't take anything away from the strike. It was beautiful. But it wasn't unstoppable in the top corner. It was probably, I don't think De Gea would have saved it. But well, I think you need to make the effort to dive for it. His view wasn't obstructed. I don't know if it was just the, oh, my God, that's a magnificent. Because, you know, sometimes yeah. you, we just fans see yeah. that. And holy shit. I just think it was one of those things that he caught, got caught thinking. And then, you know, there was no – if he dove for it, he was not going to get to it at all. It's just one of those when a keeper gets beat to one side and you, you kind of half go one way and then it goes the other and they're caught flat-footed. I think the second strike was – not enough pace and not enough effort by De Gea, especially when he's the shot stopper of, of the century. So, um, well, as you know, some people would say you have to save that. Um, I just United over the past few weeks or whatever, like they kind of it kind of seems more like the old United, where which old the old United of five years ago or old old United? No, like two, like last year. Where it just seems like a team that's got a lot of quality, um, and you can see the quality in spurts, but you don't see any motivation from the players. You don't; they could care less if they lost. Like it does, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt them to lose. It doesn't look like. Um, I don't know. I just, if I was in the UK, I'd just say it just looks like they couldn't be bothered. You know, um, 
And I just think in an FA Cup game, you know, like City was playing for it, you could see that their players were getting frustrated when it wasn't going well for them. I just want to see a little bit more desire from United because they I haven't seen that desire for a long time. You can even see it in the eyes of their fans. Well, you would think that this would be a game that United would be up and ready to play for because it's the what chance to stop the travel before it has a chance to even get to that point of winning the third trophy. So that's bad if you if the United players aren't getting up. We're going to talk for that about game. it later. About five minutes, we'll talk about that. Don't worry about it. Don't worry. Because I got a lot of there's all these United fans online right now throwing strays at Arsenal for some reason. Like I don't I don't get it. But anyways, um, Champions League. It's so boring. It's so boring. Like you think about like the World Cup final versus versus the Champions League final. I that's not, I, <laughs> I know I, I I find that a hard comparison because World Cup final is the most exciting game I've ever seen <laughs> in my life by a mile. When you when you think of all when you think of the game itself, you think of the storylines, all that stuff but, going but it's, on. It's hard to believe that when you think about that Champions League final, Inter was a more entertaining team. Like it's hard to hard to say with with the city side the way that they are, but they were. Um, and honestly, you can I don't know you can even debate whether or not you thought that city even deserved to win. It was it was kind of one of those situations, and it's kind of hard to analyze who's the better team because city I think on the whole were the better team. They got the lead, and then around the 80-85th minute, it looks like they were trying to shut up shop. And that's really when you saw those 75 minutes on where you saw Inter's big chances. Uh, Lukaku made a great save on his, <laughs> on City's goal line. And he, and he had that other one. He headed it right into, um, headed, headed it right into Ederson. But here's the thing though. You have Martinez and Lukaku. This is your strike force in a big game. Oh, that's terrible. God. Remember he in the World Cup he like uh, what is he had a, a chance that he missed, but then he came on for he was on for penalties and he looked so shaky in his penalty he made it but he looked freaking like you could just tell this guy knew that he doesn't finish big chances, but let's all say a silent prayer for Jack Grealish's liver. Um, <laughs> He's having a good time. Oh my God. Did you see he, after the game, he went up to Thierry Henry and he asked him, he went, your best position's on the left, right? And Thierry Henry's like, all the position, all, all the front positions. And they laughed. And then he was like, Jack Realist was like, do you think seriously in your prime, you could you could beat uh, Walker one-on-one? And Thierry Henry was like, in my prime? And Jack's like, yeah. no." And Thierry Henry was he's like, Absolutely. No contest. No ch- and then like Walker just kind of looked at him and was like, we'll never know. But I I get that like athletes are better, like, but come on. I like I'm Arsenal biased, but like shut up, Walker. My here's the thing, my my edge would go to Walker just in the way that nutrition and fitness continue to evolve in the game, I think, on the whole. Hey, why uh, why is nutrition and fitness a thing? Arsene Wenger was Thank a Missouri pioneer. Thank you. Pierre, and, and that's the reason. But no, that, that's my thing. I, I look at that. I think relative to everyone else in the league, like if you put a Kyle Walk, if, if they had the same level of fitness and they just ran out and had that race, I think Thierry 
where you could have a chance. I think the closer the closer debate would be if it was like you know Fernandez going. Okay, you were Juan Bissaka. Then I think yeah, but it wasn't just because Walker always to me it was the reason that he beat people on the wing. It wasn't necessarily his tackling and defending. It was more so that he could stay with stick with them pace and mark them really well. Not necessarily like the Juan Bissaka defending. Well, I thought the I thought was it is this a race or are you talking? No, no, at, no one on one. Okay, like, oh, like, okay. I yeah. thought this was a race. Okay, not never mind. Nutrition and fitness yeah. doesn't play as much. Yeah, no, I thought it was a pure dash. No, no, no. Like that, you know. You think you can beat them? Like you, like you could beat them on the wing, or basically like get by them. Um, and I was like, like not not that Walker is like he's great and like in his prime he was really good, but just like. I don't know. I just the 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 way that Thierry Henry can maintain pace and go in and out type of thing was just on a different level. So, anyways, I thought that was funny because Jack Grealish is, I don't know, he's, you know, look how much he partied when he won the league. Now he won the treble. Like this, this guy's liver is not safe. <laughs> um, but speaking of that, he won the treble. It was a dark day for United fans. Now there's only one. Managerial achievement. We go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Pres- Preston North End in 1889. Oh my god. 1890. Okay. Sir Alex Ferguson called it the greatest managerial achievement when it happened. And it's now the only only achievement in the Premier League that is unmatched. You could say the quadruple, but nobody's done the quadruple, so you can't put that into the unmatched category. But um I don't know. It's one of those things where um, you look at it. I've talked to Brian about this before, but I still feel, and I don't know why, I mean, there's reasons, but I just feel like this treble means a lot for City, but I don't think it's as um, impressive for some reason as the one that United did. And I feel like it's, it's always that thing with City where you go, are they cheating? They're under all these investigations. Um, they're beating people like their squad is so it has so much more value, not like the net spend, but their squad players have so much more net value than the other teams around them. So it just seems like if I was a United fan, I'd be really, really upset about not being able to say like, Oh, you know, the treble is it well, it's still an achievement, but not like that standalone thing. But at the same time, if I was a United fan, I'd be a little bit like, you know, we did it with uh, how many academy players did you have? More than more than a dozen, I think. Yeah, so it's just like it feels a little bit like, um, like the achievement was like perverted just by like oil money, basically. Not 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 to say that that money is any dirtier than other money, but it's just that thing where it's like it almost feels like you bought the achievement a little bit more so than when United did it. But that's just my opinion. Well, almost think of them, you know, it's the same trophies that they won, but the context around it is so different. It's United having the youth squad, and on the whole, that the two teams played each other, the United team would get absolutely annihilated. But I think that's just a different context. City went into those as favorites, almost in a way. They they won the league last two years before, maybe even three, I think there's three in a row or four in a row leagues. You know, had been in the Champions League final, won an FA Cup recently. So United weren't expected to do that, but they didn't. In some of those games, they didn't blow away the opposition 
like we saw with Manchester City. United won the league by one or two points. I can't remember the score of the FA Cup. And then a late in the match heroics miracle uh, to win the Champions League. And then City comes in. You know, they have a good squad, but but they, they proved that they were at that level. And I, I told you this on the phone earlier. We've seen teams that have come in and spent a shitload of money and not do what City did. Yeah. So they have these players, they've invested heavily kind of from the ownership. It's not, it wasn't an organic development and how they achieved that money. It's not that the club initially could bring in that money commercially to then spend on players like, you know, like a Real Madrid or a, a United can do. But we've seen PSG spending large sums of money on great players failing the Champions League. We've seen this Todd Bowley's experiment with Chelsea this year. Absolutely miserable. So it really does prove that, you know, we, we think that you can't just walk into a storefront and, and, and buy a Champions League for $2 billion. You still have to put the, put the product on the pitch and get the coaching staff in order to, to get, that, get those results. So How much of the players do you think that are bought are given the green light by Pep? I don't know the inner workings of, of City, but it seems like, and this is the kind of the argument is because we always talk about, oh, if this person, like you, we sometimes compare it, right? When, it, when someone goes to City and does really well, United, as the United, United fans look at that and say, oh, we could have got him and he would have, but people think he would have done equally well as you, at United as he did at City, but I, I couldn't disagree more. Erling Haaland's not going to get 30 goals for anyone else in the Premier League, or 36 goals. So the, the infrastructure has to be in place. The culture of success has to be in place. You just got to wonder, though, like with the teams you mentioned, like Chelsea, PSG, if they had like an elite coach and they had invested that much money and just listened, like you look at the Todd Bowley and he basically told uh, Tuchel to go F his hat, you know, um, and play a 4-4-3, you know, like just like, so I, I'm just wondering if it, I'd like to know how the how the city board does things. If it's like Pep's, like this is what I need, kind of similar to the way that Arsenal is being run right now, where Arteta goes, "These are the three that I want," or whatever, and maybe the board says, "Well, this is too much. We can get you these two, and then you know pick like a secondary backup to that you know premium price person." Um, because it seems like you know even PSG, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, but like, there's not really been besides Tuchel, there was never really an elite manager, um, and I once again, elite is is below world class. So um, to me, so an elite besides Tuchel, you haven't really had any elite managers or uh, really really world class managers, and with Tuchel, he inherited so many behavioral problems. I'm just wondering with uh, you know if Tuchel would stay at Chelsea if they would have perform better not with you know but and also which players would have actually signed for Chelsea like would Tuchel have had if they would had the you know they went out and bought what Tuchel wanted with the same amount of money would the same players come in because you know Tuchel did not want to bomb Yang uh Tuchel what was the other he didn't want uh oh never mind I can't remember but there's another player he didn't want um and he never featured or anything like that. But you just got to wonder how much 
in city is pep saying the green light or is it just pep just like they're giving him pieces and he's like i'm gonna turn them into gold well you have to think it's a bit of both as as genius as pep is they still have to have the philosophy yeah. and the the mindset that that pep wants them to to play with and with chelsea todd Bowley just seems like a bulldozer and you think he would learn his lesson that I don't know anything about football. I should stay out of football operations. You'd think <laughs> after this year, he would have learned that, whether he will. Pochettino, we talked about him because there's there's this narrative that goes on that I don't necessarily see that that Pochettino's a you know a hard line, sticks to the guns, isn't gonna put up with Bowley's interference. And that's that's not what I see. I don't like to be missing. Saw what something. happened at PSG. <laughs> but I don't but I, I can't see Bowley removing himself from the, the situation no. and maybe he will maybe he'll learn from it and see that because and the Chelsea can offload some players their squad is huge there's there's too many players there's like they have I think they have even more depth than City they're not nearly as good but they have they have more depth and in a lot of positions so we'll have to see where that goes but I expect some of it, a lot of the same from Todd Bowley and it'll be fun. And it's funny watching it in some ways is, you know, wanting to see Chelsea I not perform. Struggle. I hope they don't. Um, I was going to ask this follow-up question, but um, to, with Pep, does this, like, does this getting the treble um, change your mind a little bit about him and where he stands in the history of uh of managers or there's there's still the treble doesn't do anything uh to alleviate the he hasn't been an underdog before well, i i i think that's becoming a smaller issue like i was actually going to pose the same question and i'm i'm at the point because i think for the last especially last year with ancelotti winning a record fourth champions league you really you really see ancelotti and ferguson really being at the, the, as far as club management goes, at, the, at that very highest level. Who is the guy before Ferguson? He's got like a 1.5 trophies per season average. What's his name? A United manager? I don't know if he was United. He was in the Premier League, though. He won like a shit ton. But I don't know. We'll talk about yeah. it off. Anyway, for those, those two guys for me are kind of at the height. And I think, if anything, Pep, slides in if there was a category between i don't know who like in the level below that we've got vangers and Mourinho's and pep i think was in there up until but like now i'm looking okay is there something in between that because my major and only criticism of pep at this point is that he has really never went into a competition where he was a complete underdog or significant underdog he started at barcelona which a lot of people have agreed is the greatest club team in the history of football moves on to, to Bayern Munich and they're, they're a perennial juggernaut in, in Germany and then moving into Manchester city. And even uh, he hasn't won the league every year, but man, man city have probably just about went into every season as his favorites, or at least after his first season. So he's never really done it for a, I'd be very curious to see what he would do with a, a mid-table team. And I think this is not no fault of Peps. I think he's his disposition and demeanor is such that it works very well with 
really talented players. I think you need that, you know, that tactical awareness, the tika tika, the ability with the ball to be able to uh, perform in that system. And again, that's not a slight on Pep. It just, I don't know how well that would translate to a weaker team. And when you think about some of the, I think Mourinho kind of, in a lot of ways is the opposite of Pep in so many different ways that they, they think about football. You think about Mourinho, obviously, hasn't had as much success lately, but you look at a prime Mourinho and prime Pep, I think Mourinho is going to elevate that mid-table team to a higher degree than what that Guardiola could do. So that's the only footnote for me, but he has to be nearing that conversation. Uh, he, he rises to the top for me uh, of the kind of second-tier managers. So where does City go from here? Here's the thing. This is a, as much as it's, not good news for United. This I this is good news for anyone who wants to win trophies in England next year. Because I think City had the goal of winning the Champions League. They they won all kinds of league titles and domestic cups. The Champions League had eluded them up until recently. And we could see some of the key players maybe moving on, seeing that, oh, I've I've won pretty much everything there is to win here. So they could move on. They might not have that desire and that drive to want to go on and do it again. So that could be advantage Arsenal, advantage Manchester United, advantage Liverpool. Pep's got a contract until 2025, I think. So that's two more seasons. We'll see where he goes from there. You have to think that that's his last job in club management when you think. I hope so. Where would he? Where would he go? No, at I club he, wise? I hope he leaves. I hope he leaves now, and not not to. It's not anything to do with like my our chances of like competing in the league once he's gone. But I would really, really like him to, um, to go to Spain, and Spain has an open job right now, and I don't know who's gonna fill it. But it's just it's just like it seems so perfect to leave on a treble, and then whatever, and you can get some. But I don't know. That's what I would like because I I really hate for him to be in a circumstance like Zidane, where Zidane is just waiting for somebody to open for a job to open up, and what's his name LeBlanc? Yeah. To be to be booted out like or, or Deshaun? Deshaun, that's what it is. So Deshaun doesn't uh, like I don't think France just with the squad that they have managers don't forget fired they just leave you know so it's like Zidane's waiting for that job I would hate that to happen to Pep really I like this is what should happen seriously for like a lot of things is I think this should be Mourinho's last year and I think he should go manage um Italy Italy or Portugal (laughs) yeah but Italy's in the mud like Portugal's kind of more on the up so I think he's got more of a chance getting the Unless Port, I don't know if Port because I thought Portugal had no Port. Nobody likes the Portugal guy. He, he might get that job, but that would be that would be a nice next step for him. It'd be kind of it would bring some uh, like imagine what it would do for international football when we're it's coming to World Cup time and you're watching you're watching Spain versus Portugal, Guardiola versus Mourinho, like you know I, I don't. <laughs> 
I always want to see the best in Mourinho, but I still, especially if you pair him with a football culture, and it seems like he's, he hasn't, you know, if you think of him as sliding down a hill, his career going downhill, at Roma, you would say it has, it has at least stabilized his career. Oh, absolutely. So, and this is a, a football culture that the, he excelled in at Inter and his defensive mindset. And I think Mourinho just is the type of coach that, because you're talking about major tournaments, those are they're pretty much all one-off games. You have your three group stage games. And so it's not like Mourinho will have time to lose the dressing room in one month. Like he, no, he doesn't. So like he strikes me as the, like everything I know about him, if the football culture is right and just kind of those short tournaments that are only a month long, I think really favors him as a manager. Well, that'd be really good for the players too. They only have to deal with them for short stints. So you just work hard while you're there. No, I think I think international football would be a nice new step for him. It just seems like um, Mourinho has stayed too long in every echelon of his game like it seems like he you know he likes to he stayed too long in really big clubs and it seems like he's gonna stay too long at the um the middle range type of club um not to say that he can't do it like you know roma is you know but we i think me and you both like even though i have criticism like i would rather him be in a in a situation where he's going to be very successful rather than because he just seems like he's like you know, somewhere in the crowd now, yeah. you know, not really. But you think up. it's almost unfair, like, to pe- for people to judge him. Yeah. People are judging him a lot on what we've seen the last five years versus. Yeah, well, I just feel like it's one of those things that he's he's going to go down as one of the greatest managers ever. And this again, might be shocking for you to hear this, but what makes me more mad than anything about him is that he, like, you know, bashes his head into a wall and expects a new result. And some people just start thinking that he's just not a good manager. And it's one of those things where it's like, put him in the environment or how about he puts himself in the environment where he can showcase it's the, you know, before he decides to retire, cause he doesn't look like he should, he's not old enough or, you know, whatever, sickly enough to retire. So it's like, put yourself in the best position to shine, you know, and like every, you know, show everybody who you used to be type of thing, because it just looks like it's almost sad watching him at this point and you have other people that are super opinionated thinking that he can't do anything and i know he can do things yeah. he's just too stubborn to put himself in the best spot well we, we i've talked about this not on the podcast but just when you see players that are just coaches or any kind of sporting events when people have written them off they used mm-hmm. to be great and they're going downhill like how beautiful would it like a Mourinho masterclass mm-hmm. and like a shh to the camera at the end of a world cup final could you imagine oh that would be that would be beautiful. But it's also, it's not even just the fans too. Some players think that they're better than Mourinho, you know, and that's, that's what bothers me the most is you, you have some players getting into fights with them thinking that they know better. And, you know, maybe they have, they have points, but at the same time, I just, I really can't stand that the respect for this, like, cause, and here's the thing. I know what it's like because I, I've seen it with Banger where people just forgot what this guy did for Arsenal, you know, and you had the riots and stuff like that. And it's like, that's not what he deserved. So, Mourinho, go to, go to, I don't know, go to Italy. or It would be freaking fantastic for Italy, though. Because I know, like, the thing is with Portugal, they have a lot more attacking players. I know that everybody in Italy would buy into that man. So, I don't know. I'm excited. I, I think Pep, 
I think Pep should, because he's still in his prime. So I think if looking back at it, it's, I think this is going to be the case of him going back to City, trying to win more things, probably winning more Premier Leagues. But at this, And then once he goes to international, not being able to do it. So I just think it might, if it was me, either this upcoming year or in 2025 when his contract's over, go to Spain. That's what I would do. Well, that's the thing, and it's really hard once you. It seems like no one really transitions from club or from international back to club. You wait until you're, you know, getting to the end of your career, late fifties, early sixties, and then and it then... shouldn't be a retirement job, and but that's how they're treating it. Yeah. So. Well, all right. Well, that pretty much wraps up the the club season. Now we're getting into the season of transfers. Brett's heart is going to oh. get broken on social media Every several day. times. Kies has been linked with Arsenal. I love that man. I just want to let everybody know that we'll probably be posting a little bit less uh, frequently, just to let some of the transfer news pile up. So when we're in into doing our episodes, we'll have more to talk about throughout the summer and all that. So thanks for uh, tuning in, and we'll see you in the next one.